2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. Hour 2 live on SportsGrid. I am Frank Stanfield and you see Craig Mish. He is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium at the Yankees Marlins game there out at spring training. Craig Mish, how you doing, buddy? How's everything?
3: I'm doing well. Doing well. We're uh, sobering up here a little bit for the second hour. <laughs>
2: Sobering up here for the second hour, and I just saw some uh, breaking news. I don't know how serious it is as of now. It might have happened, you know, right behind you there on the field. Zach Britton's live batting practice session ended early Wednesday. Um, after he was struck in the chest or right arm area by a line drive. Brian Hoke of MLB.com reports. So there you go. You're out at a Yankees spring training uh, Yankees spring training game with, a, with the Miami Marlins and something that potentially might have happened right there. Zach Britton struck with a line drive. You can't make this stuff up, Craig. It seems like the injuries are never ending when it comes to the New York Yankees right now.
3: Yeah, I think that may have been in Tampa, Frank. I'm not positive, but uh, I not didn't right. see anything that happen out here. All right, so
2: something to pay attention to. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I mean, we do have a few bars here at the FanDuel Sportsbook over at the Meadowlands. So, uh, you know, what happens between the breaks is uh, between me and producer Danny Okers. I'm going to, you know, kind of just going to leave it there. I'll leave it there for now. Uh, Michael Conforto, yesterday we found out dealing with the oblique injury. That is confirmed, Craig. Uh, And this came according to MLB Injury Guru on Twitter that the average oblique strain – Lasted 49 days on the injured list last year, so it, it seems obvious that is not going to be ready for opening day. And we right. might be looking at a lengthy absence here, potentially late April, early May, I guess early on in the season. You can expect some uh, Jake Marisnik, some Dom Smith potentially in right field. They could platoon those two batters. Uh, but it seems like Michael Conforto, uh, at least in the early part of the season, we're not going to have any of him from a fantasy baseball perspective, Craig.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the really good indication, I think, especially for deeper leagues like uh, 50 round leagues, uh, NFC format, NL only leagues, uh, I think that the guy that we have to be paying attention to just to see if he has a pulse is Johannes Cespinus. Because you would guess that if there's anything left with this guy, he's forced now into a situation, Frank, that he would have to play. And if he doesn't, then in the next couple of weeks, he'll need to draft this guy at all. They need him right now. And if he can't play,
2: The ghost of Yohannis Cespedes. Let's see what he's got left in the tank. Let's also see what Dan Stratford has in the tank with a news update coming up right now on Sports Grid.
4: All as discussed, Frank, Mets outfielder Michael Conforto strained and oblique on his right side. It's too early to determine whether or not he'll be able to play in that home opener, but it is sure looking like he'll be out when they play the Nationals, when they play in Queens, and therefore. On with the season. Yankees reliever Zach Britton was hit by a line drive during live batting practice at Yankees camp. It was on his right wrist, according to Brian Hoke of MLB.com. Britton will be sent for more tests. Gary Sanchez missed batting practice on Tuesday with what the team is calling a fever and a confirmed flu. The regular run-of-the-mill flu here. Sanchez has been battling a back issue as well over the past few days. Washington Governor Jay Inslee on Wednesday announcing a ban on gatherings and events of more than 250 people in virtually the entire Seattle metro area to try to stop the spread of coronavirus. What does that have to do with sports? Well, Evan Drellick of The Athletic reports, that the Mariners may play their season opening series against the Rangers in Peoria, Arizona. More coronavirus news, according to a report from Adrian Wojnarowski. The NBA's Board of Governors prepares to confer with the commissioner's office on Wednesday at some point in a critical conference call, according to Wojnarowski, on the coronavirus crisis. One scenario introduced into the league's conversation involves moving some games to NBA cities that have yet to suffer outbreaks. In the NBA tonight, we have some good games on tap with some potential to shake up the playoff picture. The Jazz are at the Thunder. Oklahoma City minus two, 217 and a half over under. The Nuggets are at the Mavericks. Denver minus two on the road here, 218 over under in that one. In college basketball, March Madness is upon us, but we're going to see a lot of games in front of no fans. The Ivy League canceled their postseason basketball tournaments the Mid-American Conference, announcing on Tuesday that they would have a restricted attendance policy for both their men's and women's postseason tournaments in Cleveland, closing both events to the general public. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your SportsGrid News Update.
2: Alright, thank you, Dan Strafford, as always, for the sports grid news update here on Fantasy Sports today. And you heard an update on the coronavirus there from Dan Strafford as well. And Craig, I don't know if you saw this, but uh Tout Wars, obviously, you know we they do every single year in New York City a ton of live auctions and drafts. They have actually canceled all of the live events for this upcoming weekend and I understand it was a tough decision for everybody to come to and look. If I'm being honest, I'm bummed out because it's my first year in Tout Wars and I was looking forward to, you know, meeting everybody, but I understand, you know, that there are, you know, I understand both sides of the situation here. They want to take the proper precautions and I think it makes a ton of sense, obviously, but if I am being honest, I'm a little bummed out because it was my first year competing a live auction is obviously much better with everybody in the room with the auctioneer rather than it being online. But uh, I think that these are the proper precautions that should be taken. Uh, and, and if anyone was planning on coming out to Foley's this Friday or meeting up for Tout Wars, uh, the live events will not be happening. So uh, just giving a heads up there. Uh, Craig, do you think this was, I mean, it's probably the right decision, obviously, with everything going on.
3: Yeah. and And I, and I can understand being bummed out about it, but I mean, you know, it's interesting, you know, there were some comments going back and forth about what should be done and what shouldn't be done. But the bottom line is, is that if you have a family and you are married and you have kids, there's no possible way that you are going to sit down and have that conversation with your wife and say, hey, there is only a 1% chance I may die. Let me go do this fantasy draft. This just doesn't even enter into the equation. And it was really funny, right. not funny, but seeing some of the comments that were going back and forth, like, oh, like, it could be okay, and there's a really small chance that anything will happen. I mean, that's just ridiculous, Frank. They needed to cancel this. They honestly should have canceled it even, you know, before the week started. Uh, but I guess they were holding out some hope. And now I guess some of the people who are participating are still talking about, hey, we can still meet up. We're still debating going. Like, let me give you some advice. Stay home. What is wrong with you people? Like, I mean, I I just, I I don't get it at all. They'll do the drafts online. It's one bleeping year. It'll be fine next year. Everyone will be back. Fantasy baseball is not going away. But, I mean, I very rarely get involved in emails and threads and Twitter beefs and conversation. I, I was close to saying, like, you guys need to, like, really get a grip on what this is. Like, it is fantasy baseball. And this is coming from the guy that's hosting a fantasy baseball show. Every day for two hours, there are a lot bigger things to worry about. And even if there is less than a one percent chance of anything even happening to you, just just eliminate that from even the conversation. And Frank, I mean, I, I understand you're bummed out, but like you would not be bummed out with your wife sitting in a room and your two kids and wondering if Daddy's going to come home after bidding on Aaron Savali. Like, please, like, get a grip. Like, need it to be canceled. That's it.
2: No, I agree with you 100%. You know, that's why I say, you know, look, I'm bummed out, but I understand the severity of the situation. And, look, I don't have uh, a family, kids of my own. Like, obviously, I have, like, parents and stuff. I don't live in the basement anymore. I finally got out of there. I'm happy that we've established that here.
3: What's up? I think your parents still want you alive after after bidding on uh, Spencer Turnbull. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think they'd rather you be alive than you have Spencer Turnbull at $2. Not positive. But we can ask. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Spencer Turnbull probably going to go for more than two dollars if we're being honest here, Craig. But I understand yeah. the severity of the situation. Yes, I'm bummed out, but you're right. It's one year uh, they had to do that. It's the right thing, and you have to take into account, you know, people who are, you know, caring for their parents as well, the elderly here. So that's uh, obviously who's at big risk, and obviously children as well. So uh, just worth mentioning, you know, my auction on Thursday night, tomorrow night, actually got canceled as well. We'll see. I'd imagine like the NFBC stuff that was supposed to happen this weekend, you know, probably going to
3: get canceled as well. They'll move those. Dra- online. Let me think that also, Uh, if anybody's watching on on that, like the NFBC, uh, you know, and I know they do a great job. We, we mentioned the NFBC a lot here on the show. The fact that it is Wednesday and they still haven't canceled their events. I don't know if that's true or not. So I don't want to speak out of turn, but that is a joke that they still are considering doing any of their, uh, you know, live auctions or live drafts or whatever like that. I mean, it's one year. I mean, are we that, I, I mean, I don't even know what the purpose of of, of why they're pushing so hard for it. I would hate to think it's because of money. Um, but look, I mean, again, small percentage chance, of course, that something would happen to you personally over this. But there's a reason why, I mean, they're, they're canceling tournaments in, in the NCAA. Like, this is March Madness. It is arguably... Outside of of NFL and college football, it is arguably the most popular sporting event in the United States in the calendar year outside of those two sports, football. And this is above the NBA and above the NBA finals. And they're not allowing people in. And we're trying to push people to go into the heart of New York City for fantasy drafts. It just, I'm sorry, I just, I I don't get this one at all. And you know what? If I was in your shoes, Frank, or if this was 10, 20 years ago, and I didn't have kids, and it didn't really, you know, and I just was like, all, all that mattered to me was my fantasy team. I get it and I understand it. And I probably would a little bit differently about it. And I would say, oh, you know, it's cool. And plus, not, uh, by the way, you also live closer to New York City than a lot of other people, but you should never be asked to get on a plane right now. And even with the smallest risk possible, uh, be asked to do a bleeping fantasy draft. Like do it online. It's one year. <laughs> We're going to have a billion years of drafting in fantasy. I don't know. It's like, just crazy to me.
2: Very well said there from Craig Mish. It's a bleeping fantasy draft. Look, it's hard to argue with all the points that you're making there. Uh, And there are things that I care about outside of my fantasy baseball teams, Craig. I know that sometimes it might not seem that way. uh, But there are things you find that hard to believe. Yes. Ah, oh, come on, Craig. I mean, you got to have a little bit more faith in me than that. My, You know, my draft actually got canceled last night. I don't know if coronavirus actually infiltrated the uh, NFBC software last night, but uh, it wasn't working. So I was supposed to have an Express uh, draft champions last night. It didn't work, Craig.
3: Well, there you go. They deserve it if they keep these drafts on this weekend.
2: There you go. There's a sign from the heavens above. All right, we come back. We will paint. The best and worst case scenario for the Cleveland Indians this upcoming season, their win total over here. The FanDuel Sportsbook is 85 and a half wins. Will they go over? Will they go under? We'll discuss it next here on Fantasy Sports Today.
0: DailyRodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice, we play every day. Sports today.
1: Straight ball, I get it very much. Curt ball, that's our freight. Yes.
0: Craig Misch and Frank stanfall gotta take
1: the That's I offer
0: him a cigar no.
2: All right, we're back here on Fantasy Sports today. I am Frank Stample, live from the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands. And the over under for the Cleveland Indians this season is 85 and a half wins. Can they go over that number? We're going to try and figure that out right now when we paint the best and worst case scenario for the Indians this upcoming season. Obviously, the Twins uh, were the best. In the American League Central last year, they have the Bumba squad, a great lineup. Can the pitching staff get it done for the Twins? The White Sox, a lot of people expect to take that next step. Are they actually going to be able to do that? Uh, the Kansas City Royals and Detroit Tigers, well, you go back on demand and see what we said about the Kansas City Royals and Detroit Tigers. Of course, Craig Mish is joining us live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. He's there for the Yankees versus Marlins game later on today, but still here on Fantasy Sports Today to help. Preview the cleveland indians so craig i will allow you to lead us off here and paint the best case scenario for the indians here in 2020
3: all right frank we'll keep it uh very easy here well uh, first of all there's no question that the indians rotation is very strong at the top the question is are they strong in the middle and the back and so those two names of aaron savali and zach plisak those two pitchers i think have to make 20 starts apiece and they have to be serviceable in order for them to be above 500 and to, for them to get to 87, 88 wins. The outfield also has to be serviceable. This can't be a complete disaster. The Indians keep finding themselves in this position where they, they're they trying to figure it out. They tried with Puig. Now they got Greg Allen out there. We mentioned Zim, uh, Bradley Zimmer in the past. Now they have Fran Mil Reyes. I mean, I mean, what are they doing in the outfield? That thing has got to get sorted out. Since they lost Michael Brantley, there really hasn't been anybody that's been consistent out there. That has got to be the case this season. They need to get at least two out of those three outfielders right. And then finally, the other thing that is really key for them to get above that 85-win mark is that Kansas City and Detroit must be awful. Those two teams have got to be bad. They play them 36 times. They've got to win 25 of those games. If that happens, the Indians will get above that 85-win mark. But if Kansas City and Detroit are improved, that's going to be a big problem for them. Cleveland has been able to feast on that central. The White Sox, the Royals, and of course the Tigers. They haven't been good over the last five years. That's about to change.
2: yeah I agree with that. Look. It comes down to you know how how much do the White Sox progress this upcoming season. I think they 'll be the biggest test to the Cleveland Indians here in this division as well. Look, this is a number at eighty five and a half that the Indians have gone over in four straight seasons. They have been the class of this division in the American League Central, but you know they're a little bit different now. no more. Uh, No more Corey Kluber, obviously. How healthy is Carlos Carrasco going to be? Um, Is Francisco Lindor someone who will remain with the team for the entire season? That's something we all have to pay attention to. All right, the best-case scenario, let's start this off here. Speaking of Francisco Lindor... I think for them to go over this number, they are going to need him to remain with the team for the entirety of the season. And he just has a massive showing in a contract year, 290 plus batting average. He approaches a 30-30 season, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. The talent is there. You know, one of the most fun players to watch in the league, both offensively and defensively, that is Francisco Lindor. Uh, If they start to fall out of things and they wind up trading him, obviously that would hurt their ability to go over this number. But if Lindor does remain with the team, maybe... they figure out this contract extension as well. Um, I think that is Paramount for the Indians to go over this number here at 85 and a half. Also paramount is somebody stepping up in the middle of the lineup outside of Lindor and outside of Jose Ramirez. And to me, that name is Fran Mil Reyes. And I think if he can hit 40 to 45 home runs, potentially lead the American League in that category, I think that that will go a long ways for their offense. Obviously, coming over from the San Diego Padres last year, he struggled some in, in his first stint here in the American League. But, you know, having the ability to play designated hitter consistently, you know, maybe keep his legs fresh, I think that's something that can help Fran Reyes as he adjusts more so to the American League here uh, in his second season with the Cleveland Indians. Carlos Carresco, Cookie Strong, obviously we're all rooting for the guy to get back on the mound and to be healthy and get past leukemia uh, as he has done so far. Uh, but he stays healthy and pitches 25-plus starts this year with a 3.75 ERA or better over a strikeout per inning. And we really kind of see that vintage Carlos Carrasco. I think that'll go a long way for the Indians to compete in the American League Central once again. Uh, and I think, look, if the Minnesota Twins suffer from some injuries, Josh Donaldson has dealt with some stuff the past couple of years. He's dealt with a calf injury. A reminder. They're playing in the cold weather early on in the season out there in Minnesota. Who's to say that Josh Donaldson doesn't go out there and winds up cramping up a little bit? Nelson Cruz, in his advanced age, has been known to miss time as well. So I think, you know, some injuries strike the Twins. The White Sox do not take that next step that many people expect them to. And obviously, as Craig alluded to, the Tigers and the Royals are really, again, the bottom feeders here in the the American League Central. If all those things happen, I think the Indians could potentially win 90 to 95 games and win the American League. American League Central as well. But there are two sides to every coin, Craig. So we have painted the best case scenario for Cleveland. What is the worst case scenario this upcoming season?
3: Well, I I think that you illustrated it very well. And and the opposite of Lindor having a great season would be him not having uh, a a five war, a six war season being traded in July. I think that's the first part of the equation that you have to consider. If they move Lindor, this team is not winning more than 85 games, and he is, uh, you know, one of the MVPs of the league, best player on the Indians by far, and, uh, and he's a game changer both, you know, offensively and defensively. So if they end up moving him, that would push them under. Also, uh, Clevenger, while the reports are really good, I think that Clevenger's got to make 25 starts. I think that that's a big part of this, and if he's not healthy for the full season or he has any kind of setback in the next couple of weeks, I think that this would push them below as well. And then, uh, you know, listen, we really don't know what Shane Bieber can do at the top of a rotation. It's always been Kluber or Carrasco or Clevenger or someone else. They're asking a lot of Bieber. They're asking him to make 30 to 35 starts, throw 240 hitting, strike out 300 guys. What if he's not an ace? I mean, what if that just happens this year? What if Bieber looks more like a two or a three? They're counting. They're, they're putting a lot on him, I think, to start the season, too. So uh, if he's not, I think that that could cause an issue as well. Um That being said, for me, after looking at all of the elements, both positive and negative, uh, I'm going to go over on the Indians this year. I do think that this is the final time I'll probably end up doing that. I think they get close to 90 wins. I think there's still enough talent there. And look, the bottom line is in baseball, with all of these pitchers getting hurt, at least for now, the Indians seem like they have a very strong rotation. So uh, 88 wins for me with the Indians, and I'll go over on this one, Frank. I think that makes a lot of sense this upcoming
2: season with the Cleveland Indians, and, you know, I'll paint my worst-case scenario for this team. And, again, I think it starts at the top of the rotation. You spoke about this a little bit here, Craig, but Shane Bieber regresses back closer to his 2018 form rather than his 2019. The one thing that gives me pause when it comes to Shane Bieber is the hard contact rate. Look at it over on Fangraphs. The guy's consistently allowed over 40% hard contact. There is not much margin for error here. If the command takes a little bit of a step back, if he doesn't get as many strikeouts, uh, you know, if, if uh, hitters are putting the ball in play more, they obviously make very hard contact, then bad things are going to happen. And I could see that happening for Bieber this upcoming season. Look, I have loved Shane Bieber since he made his debut. The guy has had phenomenal minor league numbers, really good command. I think he has great uh, plus secondary pitches. The fastball, not really that great, you know, 92 miles per hour, uh, but he commands it really well, has the good slider, has the good curve, and he apparently has worked really hard on the changeup in the offseason. Season. but look, I think you're paying a big price for him in fantasy right now in the second round, and there is a margin for error there that is very slim given the hard contact that he does allow, so it's something that I do worry about. Mike Clevenger as well. I mean, if he makes less than 20 starts this year, then things are probably not going well for the Cleveland Indians. That means that we're going to see more of guys like Adam Plutko, Zach Plesak. Uh, you know, Ken Plesak, Keep up with what he did last season as well. I think you're allowed to be skeptical, and you should be this upcoming season here heading into 2020. What happens if, and look, I don't even want to talk about this as a possibility because I love Fran Reyes, the franimal out there in Cleveland. But what if the strikeouts become too big of an issue, right? I mean, this guy strikes out 28 29% of the time. What if he doesn't adjust well to American League pitching and you know being an everyday designated hitter? What if we see the the strikeout rate balloon to 35 percent? I mean, that's within the range of outcomes here. And then if that's the case, he's hitting you know closer to 200, and you know not making as much contact, which means we're not getting as many home runs. So that that is within the range of outcomes here for Fran Moleres, as much as it pains me to say, because he is somebody who I would not mind having on every single one of my teams this upcoming season. Um, and if things start to spiral out of control by the trade deadline. Francisco Lindor, if they, if it looks like they are not making any progress on a contract extension, if you are the Cleveland Indians, you have to be realistic with yourself. If you are not going to pony up and pay Francisco Lindor what he's worth, because he should be paid like one of the top players in all of baseball, and you come to that realization— then you have to move him at the deadline if things are starting to spiral just so you get something out of the guy. I mean, if you can get you know, some prospects from the Reds, he's been linked there. Maybe a Nick Senzel. I mean, who knows? We'll just throw some names out there for now. But uh, you have to be realistic with yourselves if you're the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and obviously, if he's not with the team for the final two and a half months of the season, that's going to hurt their ability to go over this win total. Uh, And look, I personally think that the White Sox do take that next step, Craig, and I think the Twins are also really good. I trust the lineup there. I like the addition of Kenta Maeda uh, for the pitching staff. I think Jose Berrios has the ability to take the next step. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do it, but I think that there are a lot of things in place for the Twins and the White Sox to really uh, compete at the top here. Um, And I think that's the worst case scenario for the Cleveland Indians here. And and I worry about it. This is probably a stay away for me. I think it's a really, really good number at 85 and a half. But I'm actually leaning under here, Craig Mish.
3: All right. Well, look, I mean, we have an opinion on all of these. Uh, The only one to this point I have uh, invested in is the San Francisco Giants. It's the only one thus far that I've gotten in on. That could change with a couple of weeks to go. But I kind of do think that this is the last run for this group of Indians. They showed about a decade ago that they're willing to tear it down and build it back up. And I think that's gonna have to happen uh, with Cleveland given the fact that the two teams that are below them are also rebuilding. But I think for one more year, I can put them over their win total. and, And then next year, I think this team's gonna look a lot different.
2: All right, there you go. The best and worst case scenario for the Indians. Craig is going over their win total. I'm going slightly under. When we come back, we'll talk about Craig's Raz Slam team, which is a best ball format. We'll do that here on Fantasy Sports Today.
0: DailyRoto.com.
1: and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man, we, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking It with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Misch and Frank Stanford.
2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. I am Frank Stample, joined by Craig Mish, who is live from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. Coming up at about 1 p.m. Eastern time, the Marlins will take on the New York Yankees. It's Debbie Garcia going up against Sandy Alcantara, and Craig Mish will be there to watch the game live and cover the game. And then, of course, he will bring us an interview from Mike Ford that he conducted. We'll have that for you tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Today. But, Craig, I know you wanted the opportunity to break down your Raz Slam draft, which is a best ball format, uh, which we don't really talk much about here on the show, but maybe we could get more into it here. Uh, Best ball format is obviously uh, an optimal scoring lineup where you don't have to set your lineup. Just the, best, the highest scorers are automatically entered into your lineup each and every week. So this is a points league more than a roto format. Uh, and Craig, I will now hand you over the, the host duties uh, that you obviously perform so well in. So here you go. Let's go with the, uh, your, your, um, your Raz Slam team here. Uh, break it down for me here, Craig Mish.
3: All right. Well, uh, look, th- this is a, a new format for a lot of people, but over the last few years, it seems like more people are playing fantasy sports this way, both on the baseball side and the football side, meaning no trades, no pickups, no drops, and just simply set it and forget it lineups. And it seems to be a popular way to go for people who don't want the rigors of, of the entire season. And um, look, there are just some people who don't have time for it. I completely understand it. I have cut back on the leagues that I am in but as far as baseball is concerned, I still try to participate in the season-long format where I move players in and out of my lineup on a daily basis. So um, the draft is not over. It is still going on right now. So just to be clear, we're only 30 only, I should say, 30 rounds into this thing, and we're not done. But you can see the, uh, the graphic there. This is the team that I've assembled thus far, and I'll go over it real quick with you. Um, and then, Frank, you can give me your thoughts. But uh, Gary Sanchez and Yadier Molina, it's a two-catcher league. Uh, Sanchez I took a lot earlier than Molina, of course. This is before Sanchez had any kind of injury issues as well, but I don't feel overly concerned with him. Uh, first base, Ulyeski Guriel was a, just a deep uh, slipper in this draft. Uh, didn't go in the first 100 picks. He just kept slipping and slipping. Eventually, I did pull the trigger on him as well. I believe Gurriel is also going into a free agent year. If he wants to keep playing, he's going to have to have a good year in uh, 2020. Uh, Went with Jonathan VR at second base because of the format. He scores very highly here. Stolen bases, runs scored. He's going to lead off for the Marlins. And I believe he'll have some outfield eligibility at some point this season, too. At shortstop, Trey Turner was my first pick overall in this thing. Uh, Excuse me, my second pick overall in this thing. Uh, Probably that was maybe the one mistake that I made, not fully understanding the scoring going into this thing. But as you astutely pointed out, not nearly as valuable in this sort of format as opposed to Another player that hits more home runs, drives in more runs. But look, if Turner bats third, that certainly could change the equation. Uh, Manny Machado, I understand he's had a really tough spring. I have him in almost every league that I've participated in so far. He'll probably be my pick to win the NL MVP. I'm not going to get caught up in Machado's spring numbers. This guy's been around a long time. Uh, Justin Turner, uh, just kind of filling in the blanks here. He's my corner infielder. I don't think he'll hurt me. He could help me, but at the very least, he ain't going to hurt me with his batting average and the amount of runs he drives in and his home runs. He did get hit in the wrist the other day with a fastball. I I was very nervous because I had just taken him in this draft, but it looks like he's all systems go because he ended up hitting a home run a little bit later in the game. Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox projected for another 200-hit season with them. Where we'll be hurt a little bit is with his RBIs but the way that he scores also in this format is very valuable. And then uh, Elvis Andrews, a very late pick. Uh, a lot of what I did, Frank, honestly, in this is the ADP was slipping on some guys. I scarfed them all up. The guys who slipped 50, 100 spots in ADP uh, was, uh, was somebody that I picked up there. Uh, in the outfield, uh, I, I feel very good about the outfielders that I have. Michael Brantley of the Astros, high batting average guy. Scores well. Brian Reynolds, same deal. A little bit of a question mark because we don't know what he's going to be after uh, the season that he had last year. Uh, Jorge Soler, I can still qualify in the outfield. I'll put him there as well. Brian Anderson of Miami, I got him in the outfield. Then at third base, this is the second league that I've taken Brian Anderson in, by the way. I believe he's going to bat second or third for the Marlins. And then uh, I have Lorenzo Kane in a couple of leagues, too. Another player that just seems to be criminally undervalued in fantasy leagues. Because of one subpar season, Lorenzo Cain has good years for the last 10 years every single season. Last year was the first year because of injuries that his numbers weren't there. And uh, and Cain seems to be healthy and having a good spring as well. Uh, on the pitching side, uh, Jacob deGrom was my first pick overall. Maybe potentially a mistake because pitchers do not grade and score nearly as well in this format as they do in some others. But uh, certainly I got no issue having deGrom as my ace. Zach Greinke will be my number two. Soroka on Atlanta is my three. Sean Manaya we'll hope for a healthy season for him, is my four. Caleb Smith, very high strikeout, numbers five. Garrett Richards was somebody that I had in the queue for a few rounds, just waiting and waiting and waiting. I couldn't wait anymore. I ended up picking him up, I think, if Richards is healthy. And again, big if. But if he is healthy, I think he could be the third best pitcher on my team this year. So I really like Garrett Richards there. Kwang Young Kim, I want him in every draft possible. He's the number five starter on the Cardinals. He has looked lights out in the spring. First year in the big leagues, when they come over from overseas, they usually succeed, and I'd like Kim to succeed with St. Louis. And if he doesn't, I got Dakota Hudson, too. And the odds of the Cardinals having two complete busts as starting pitchers is slim than none. That just doesn't happen with this franchise. So it wasn't necessarily a handcuff pick, but I feel like between Kim and Hudson, I'm in good shape. And then Johnny Cueto, uh, who looked really good last year when he came back for the Giants. And if the Giants have any shot whatsoever of moving him, I think Cueto's got to have a really good first half because they owe him a ton of money. Um, look, Cueto, once upon a time, a Cy Young-type award winner, we'll see if he can give me 20 good starts this season. And, of course, I would understand if people are doubt uh, skeptical on that, and the wins are going to be very hard to come by. As far as the bench, uh, Colton Wong was, some, was my first bench player, actually, that I took. Wong's going to lead off for the Cardinals this year, so maybe 20 stolen bases, 150, 160 hits. He'll be a backup second baseman slash middle infielder for me. Cole Calhoun of the Diamondbacks was one of those ADP slippers that after two or three rounds of not seeing him go, I ended up picking him up. Renato Nunez, I think at this point, is locked into a spot with Baltimore. There was some question because of a lot of the swing and miss that he had last year. If he didn't maintain his home run pace, would he lose his gig? Well, if Trey Mancini ain't in the lineup, they're going to need Renato Nunez batting in the middle of the lineup, so I scooped him up as well. Uh, I tip my cap to you on Miguel Andujar. I moved him up quite a bit in ADP after labor. Saw him still available on the board. I don't love the fact that he's only uh, eligible at utility, but hopefully that changes in this format over the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, Nick Solak on Texas. Of course, the injury to Willie Calhoun is crucial. I think Solak's going to play somewhere this year unless the Rangers end up signing Puig or they end up signing uh, Scooter Jeanette or somebody else. Uh, right now, uh, Solak is penciled in to start and play every single day. I have Nico Horner, several shares of him in fantasy leagues. I suppose he's the starting shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. If he hits, he's going to stick. There's no one else there. So he'll be my middle infielder, maybe somebody that I'll need at some point during the season. And then Justin Smoke. Look, a lot of the left-handed batters, Frank, that have gone uh, to Milwaukee, whether it's been Eric Thames or Christian Yelich, they've been able to take advantage of that ballpark in Milwaukee, at Miller Park. So if Justin Smoke has anything left, 250, 20 home runs in the 30th round. He was my most recent pick fine with me. Uh, He could be my third first baseman or my uh, backup first baseman. So uh, Frank, that's where we stand right now. I still have 20 rounds to go. I believe I took Marco Gonzalez uh, about an hour ago, so I'll just throw him into the end of my pitching staff. What do you think so far? I
2: think you're doing a great job so far, uh, mainly because you have a few players that I also have on my Rad Slam team. I also have Yadier Molina, I have Nick Solak, I have Zach Greinke as well. Uh, but I like the fact that you went with a ton of starting pitchers because while you know closers can rack up saves in this format and saves are worth a decent amount of points in, in the best ball format, there's so much volatility with – closers that I mean we spoke about this before when we did the closer preview how long is even the best closer going to be the closer of their team if they start to struggle so especially in a league like this where it's optimal scoring format and I believe we only have like two fab periods throughout the course of the entire season you need players who are going to give you points and of course there's an opportunity there's a chance that starting pitchers can get hurt as well and not earn you points but they're a little bit more safe, I would say, uh, than the closers in this format. So I'm with you. I think that that's a really smart strategy. I don't have a single closure yet on my team, and I've already made uh, nine pitcher picks uh, without a closer. How far are you into your draft? Because I'm only in round 23. I feel like my draft is moving at a snail's pace.
3: Yeah, we're in the 30th round. The people in this league have been really good about it, and... Um, you know, the clock is now down actually to two hours. I don't know if that was intentional, but it's now down to two hours, I guess, after 30 rounds. So you got to make your picks a lot faster. And I'm not adverse, by the way, to taking closers in this draft. As a matter of fact, uh, I have a few in my queue that I'm potentially going to take. But it, again, is more of sitting in the eighth inning. Maybe they could end up being the ninth inning guy. Uh, that's the direction that I want to go with it, because to me, as you mentioned, if you're not getting a reliable guy, and by the way, there's only a handful of them, I just, I think you're throwing away picks in this format. If you end up having like last year, a good example of like Jose Leclerc, who would have gone in the first 20 rounds, what was Jose Leclerc worth in this fantasy format last year after he lost his gig? I know he got it back at the end, but he was a very disappointing player. So uh, I'm not going down that road. And for me, um, so far so good. I feel pretty good about it. And again, in Um, You know, now that I've been starting to do this this is my third draft, it's interesting that I have a couple of, of players that are now on all three of my teams. I don't try to do that too often, and I try to pivot some, but I do, especially in the mid to later rounds, have some of the same players.
2: Yeah, Manny Machado is the name that I keep seeing pop up for you there, Craig. And you said you Absolutely. know you might uh, you might bet on him to win the National League MVP. You could probably get him at some solid odds right now. Um, so yeah, I look that's something I could get behind. I, I I like buying the dip on Manny Machado last year, a borderline first round pick. Uh, I like getting him this upcoming season as well. All right, that is Craig Mish. He is out there at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, uh, getting ready for the Yankees versus Marlins. Uh, Craig, I did notice that you have two Marlins on your team, and with that. I'll leave you with you're a homer
3: yeah well you know gotta have a couple of guys who you believe in it's the team that I cover um you know two out of 40 I don't think is a lot honestly Frank but you wanna call it that call it that I almost took Brandon Kinsler <laughs> I didn't do it
2: Ah, he almost did it. He almost pulled the trigger. But I do want to thank you, Craig, for joining us here on the show today. Again, Craig will be back again tomorrow. We'll have, some, uh, we'll have an interview from Mike Ford as part of our Yankees preview here on Fantasy Sports Today as well. All right, when we come back, I have an update on Paul Goldschmidt that's interesting, and I'll also talk about the quality start here on Fantasy Sports Today.
0: DailyRoto.com. Sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stample.
2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. Once again, I want to thank Craig Mish for joining us live out there at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. The Marlins and Yankees, first pitch in about 15 minutes from now, we'll have an opportunity to watch Debbie Garcia go up against Sandy Alcantara. Really fun whenever Craig has the opportunity to broadcast live from the ballpark. Again, not something you're going to see on any other fantasy show around the nation. You're only going to find that here on Fantasy Sports Today, of course, with our own Craig Mish. I want to update you on something that's going on regarding the NBA right now. And, you know, a tweet sent out from Mark Stein last night that reminded us the NBA has scheduled a conference call for Thursday. So, you know, look, things are progressing right now in terms of the coronavirus, and it's very serious. We don't want to make light of the situation, and, you know, Professional sports organizations are trying to figure out ha- how to handle this right now. We've heard about multiple uh, conference tournaments in college basketball already being canceled, people playing without fans in the stands, uh, and obviously the NBA is the next league that is looking to figure out what to do. Uh, all 30 NBA GMs will be on this call tomorrow afternoon uh, in the NBA to figure out what is their, what is the plan to move forward. Uh, in terms of the NBA, are they going to play uh, games with no fans? Are they going to postpone, you know, some of the games right now? Are we going to maybe take a couple of weeks off and you know see what happens here uh, with obviously everything that's going on regarding the coronavirus? So just an update for you there uh, that hopefully we'll find out soon what's going on with all of the professional sports organizations. We'll probably have to find out after that, you know, what happens with baseball opening day. 15 days away. I mean, this is obviously a huge situation, so uh, something that we'll have to watch closely and, and see ultimately how it plays out. Uh, something that I did want to touch on before I, I jump into the quality start and whether or not we should play with the quality start rather than the win in fantasy baseball is Paul Goldschmidt is dealing with an elbow injury, obviously the first baseman of the St. Louis Cardinals, someone who Craig Mish has had the opportunity to speak to already as well, um, was expected. A bounce-back year out of Paul Goldschmidt, his second season with the St. Louis Cardinals. According to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, uh, he said today that Goldschmidt is having right elbow soreness and will be will be out of the lineup at least a couple of days. Obviously, lots of drafts coming up, a lot of auctions coming up this weekend. From a fantasy baseball perspective, how much is this going to impact the draft stock, the price? of a Paul Goldschmidt. What is his AAV going to look like in an auction now as well? Uh, things to pay attention to here. Look, the Cardinals can't afford to lose Paul Goldschmidt. This is a lineup that I, I spoke about. I, I don't have a lot of faith in this Cardinals lineup right now. Maybe if they're aggressive with Dylan Carlson and have him up on opening day, it uh, could look a little bit better. But, you know, they haven't gotten much out of Dexter Fowler the past couple of seasons. They lost Marcelo Zuna in the offseason as well. You know, people are expecting Tommy Edmonds to take that next step as the super utility player. You know, what are we gonna get out of Matt Carpenter? He's dealt with a ton of injuries the past couple of seasons as well. So something to pay attention to. Look, if you are uh, if you are bidding on Cardinals players or you're trying to, you know, have these players on your team and you kinda of want to attack that aggressively. Maybe just think twice because, obviously, some of these guys getting up there in age, Paul Goldschmidt currently dealing with an elbow injury as well. All right, what I wanted to do here in the final segment was talk about the quality start versus the win, and this is something we've heard uh, for, for a couple of years now. It's you know come become more prevalent in the fantasy baseball industry, and a lot of people complain that wins are all luck. Well, yeah, so are touchdowns when it comes to fantasy football as well. I understand that we want to be able to quantify as much as we possibly can in fantasy baseball. And uh, predictability obviously helps when drafting players and trying to figure out breakouts as well. And the win category is such a hard one to figure out whether you play in a roto league or in a head-to-head categories league uh, because you can't predict wins. Even the best players... On the best teams in baseball, not that Mets are the best, one of the best teams in baseball, but, you know, they consistently win over 80 games. Jacob deGrom has won the National League Cy Young two seasons in a row, being held under 15 wins. Wins are a very unpredictable stat, but I would say the same thing about touchdowns in fantasy football. I mean, this is what part of what makes the game so fun, right? I feel like there has to be some sense of unpredictability in fantasy baseball and in fantasy football. And that's exactly what the wins category provides us. That's exactly what touchdowns provide us as well. I mean, would we be able would we be able to talk about fantasy baseball and fantasy football here for a living if everyone can just predict who was gonna get the most wins or who was going to get the most touchdowns? No, because then everybody could figure it out. Why would I be here? You wouldn't need me here to talk about it. Obviously. Uh, so look, that's my take on the win. I think that there has to be a level of unpredictability, randomness. There has to be some luck involved as well. And there are going to be, you know, people who dive into the data on wins as well. And you know, maybe you can find a way for to, to somewhat predict. But ultimately, look, you're going to try and draft the best pitchers that play on teams with maybe the highest over-under win totals heading into the season. Like, Garrett Cole, I think, you know, we're, we're confident. We expect at least, what, 14, 15 wins. But even then, you, know, you never know for sure. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. So more people have been uh, harping for quality starts to be a category the past couple of seasons instead of wins. And, you know, what is a quality start? It's you go at least six innings and you allow three earned runs or less. Now, most people are going to argue, as they should, that, that is incredibly arbitrary. How do we figure out that it's specifically six innings pitched? Why is it three earned runs? Is six innings of three-run ball even considered a quality start? That's a four-and-a-half ERA. If you do that for every start your entire season as a starting pitcher, you make 32 starts of six innings, three earned run ball, you are going to have a 4.50 ERA. Is that a quality pitcher? Probably not. So I would argue that the number uh, for a quality start is arbitrary. I mean, you know, if it's if I, I think that there should kind of be a scale, right? Like maybe it should be you know six innings of z- uh, no run ball or five innings of no run ball, six innings of one run ball, seven innings of two run ball, eight innings of three run ball. And you know, if you manage to go a complete game, then sure you do you deserve a quality start, no matter how many runs you give up. Let's let's call it for what it is, but. I think that we should probably make it a scale. Five innings, no runs. Six innings, one run. But... As of now, it's, you know, you go six innings, shutout ball, quality start. Six innings, three-run ball, quality start. Seven innings, three-run ball, quality start. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is because quality starts might be easier to predict than wins uh, because we've seen more of them over the past couple of seasons. So I wanted to look at some of the quality start leaders from 2019. If you play in a quality start league or if you play in a points league where you get bonuses for quality starts, maybe these are players that you target a little bit more or in your leagues as they will help you out in that category or help you out with that bonus uh, from a head-to-head points perspective as well. For me, when it comes to quality start versus win, uh, I guess I'm more of a traditionalist. That's almost like, you know, are you going to go with saves or are you going to go with saves plus holds? I mean, I don't think we really need to change it. I think the volatility of the closer position and the saves category is what makes the game so fun, right? Yes, we complain about it here on the show, but that's part of the fun of fantasy baseball and what makes the game interesting. All right, so last year in 2019, the leaders... In terms of quality starts, Justin Verlander, no surprise, 26 quality starts last year. Had the 2.58 ERA. Garrett Cole, his teammate at the time, not anymore, now with the New York Yankees, 26 quality starts as well. Uh, Garrett Cole still going in the first round of drafts, rightfully so. Justin Verlander dealing with the lat injury, likely dropping down into the third round, I would say, is a fair time to take a shot on Justin Verlander. Nobody really knows. A couple of years ago, he dealt with, I believe it was a lat tricep injury as well. um, And he pitched around 150, 155 innings. So maybe that's something you can expect from Verlander this upcoming season. Shane Bieber, we spoke about him a ton on today's show. 24 quality starts last year. And he's someone that, even if he regresses a little bit, I still think he is going to give you a ton of quality starts. He gives you the volume. He goes deep into games. Um, the, the pitch count doesn't rise all that quickly for Shane Bieber because he has really good command. Um, he, he gets outs very quickly in terms of you know, not letting the pitch count rise up. Uh, he has good command, so he's not throwing too many balls as well. So I think Shane Bieber is someone who's going to give you volume, go deeper into games, and someone who you can rely on for quality starts. Maybe a name that you won't realize is this high on the list. Zach Greinke, 24 quality starts last year. He was tied for third in all of baseball with Shane Bieber. And Zach Granke is someone who is criminally undervalued every single year for fantasy baseball. Well, this is the year. Zach Granke's 36, 37 years old. Whatever it is, he's got to fall off this year, right? I'm not so sure. I don't mind Zach Greinke this year, where he's going you know, fourth, fifth round range. Someone who's going to help you uh, with quality starts as well. Pitches for a really good team as well if you're trying to chase those wins with the Houston Astros. Uh, But just I'll round out a few more names here if you play in a quality start league or if you want to target these guys in your head-to-head points league. Patrick Corbin last year, 24. Jacob deGrom, 23. Hyunjin Ryu, 22. Strasburg, 22. Clayton Kershaw, 22. And the one that stands out to me, Jose Barrios, 21 quality starts last year i think he's someone who gets the boost in this format all right before we end the show let's end it with a little bit of exit velocity like we do every day here on fantasy sports today i feel the need
0: the need for speed exit velocity nice velocity
2: All right, Rob Gronkowski is joining the WWE. I got to jump back into this. I don't mind Rob Gronkowski maybe following his dream of being a WWE wrestler. But for me... It's WWE. Don't mess this up, please. Don't have Gronk just come in and squash everybody. Don't put him up against young talent that you've been trying to develop for years. Don't have Gronk come in and beat the fiend Bray Wyatt in a you know less than five minute match like you have done with Goldberg in the past. I have no problem with Gronk following your following his dreams. Everybody out there, follow your dreams. That's my advice to you. That is my advice. Frank Sanford. follow your dreams. That's exactly what Gronk should do. But WWE, don't mess this up. Don't push someone like Gronk to the moon. That's all I ask of you for all the producers involved today. Chris Bavona, Danny Okers, Brian as well. For Craig Mish and for Joe Ranieri joining me here on the show, I am Frank Sanford. Thank you so much for watching. And remember, stay classy, fantasy owners.